0: Hi, my name is Gesa. I'm a founding partner at the investment firm Auxo. Next to that, I'm also a venture partner at Entrepreneur First and a board member at the German Startup Association. And I also started a group of female investors, which is called Evangelistas.
1: This episode is brought to you by WHU, the Otto Beisheim School of Management. WHU is reshaping the way students learn about business, management, finance, and entrepreneurship through its innovative programs and partnerships in Germany and across the globe. To learn more about this globally ranked university, visit whu.edu today. Hey folks, Garrett here. In this latest episode of the Most Awesome Founder Podcast, we're sticking with stories highlighting the importance of diversity and entrepreneurship. And today, we're speaking with Geisa McJaika, entrepreneur, investor, and partner in Germany's first all-female VC firm, Auxo. Of course, we're discussing diversity in startup world, the disparity of capital deployed to male versus female founders, the competitive advantage of leading an all-female VC, and so much more. Geisa is truly an advocate for equality and an inspiring voice in the German startup ecosystem. There's so many takeaways and much to learn from this episode, so I hope you enjoy it. Coming to you from WHU, on the banks of the Rhine River, in beautiful Fallendar, Germany, this is the Best and Most Awesome Founder Podcast. A show about entrepreneurs, innovators, advisors, and educators, and the stories that make them who they are today. So, Gesa Mikchaika, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, really looking forward to having this uh, conversation with you.
0: Me too. Thank you for having me. Cool.
1: Um, as I as I told you offline. Um, This season of the podcast, we're putting a a big focus on female founders and uh, diversity in the entrepreneurial ecosystem. So when I was introduced to you, I thought, man, I couldn't imagine someone better to have this conversation with. So really looking forward to digging in.
0: Yeah, it's my absolute heart topic. I love this topic and uh, I'm really passionate about it. And I think uh, there's a long way to go in Germany and I'm hoping uh, to contribute to get that diversity, um, more in the, in the whole ecosystem.
1: Awesome. Awesome. It is an important one. So the way I kick off these episodes with all of our guests is a little bit of a deep dive into you, you know, so we can learn about you as a founder and an investor. So maybe you could just start kind of telling us your, your story of where you come from to how you got to where you are today.
0: Sure. Um, Concerning my founding story, I think uh, I can start by, uh, I was the first employee at a company called Black Lane, and uh, this was just by chance because I wanted to start my own family, and um, I worked in a consultancy before that, and um, so I, I quit my job without having something new, and uh, at an alumni event, I met my first uh, project leader again at the consultancy and I told him I need a job for a couple of months. Do you know anything? And he said, well, I'm in stealth mode right now. I'm starting my own company and, um, and maybe you can help me out with that. So I was the first employee. I was the first one at the office before the two founders were there. And it was Mm -hmm. pretty cool because I helped set up uh, most of the commercial side of the business. Um, I also brought in one of the first investors who was my husband (laughs) as a, as an angel. And, um, well, we kind of, uh, I helped set up this company and I, um, it took me a little longer than I thought to have my first child. So I was there two and a half years later, um, still. <laughs> and the company grew to around 200 employees and was available worldwide, the services. Um, and then I decided to become a digital consultant. And through my digital consultancy, I was uh, working on the one hand with startups who were uh, had some growth topics, growth issues. And on the other hand with uh, corporates who wanted to digitize whereas most of the time it uh, the topics would be okay should we buy a startup and if yes which one should we buy so i was seeing lots of startups and i was seeing lots of investors and um, these two worlds uh, just kind of um appeared to me it seems very um monotonous so uh, it was uh only males um, coming from the same school, so it was Behau, Hahel, Tanca, and whatever, um, and and they were of a similar age, similar background. And I thought, well, this is um, really interesting. And um, I, because everyone underlies their similarity bias, and I do as well, I I should use my similarity bias and invest in uh, also use just invest in this area because I would probably be seeing. Uh, different founders and different topics, and uh, finding a niche which uh, hopefully can make me really rich.
1: <laughs> <So> that's, <laughs>
0: that's how I basically started. And um, my co founders had a similar idea to me, and we got together and we said, Okay, let's just tackle this. And uh, why don't we found AUXO? And then uh, we use our similarity bias and um, and invest and uh, probably we're t- we're going to find things that uh, the typical VC won't look at, and we will find uh, um, attractive returns with that. And that's how we started. And since we've uh, done ten investments within Outsource, and um, um, seven of those teams actually have at least one female founder, um, and there's only one team which is uh, all male German. So that's um, yeah, that, that's that's basically our story.
1: Cool, cool. So you you dove into a world and a space as as you mentioned that is pretty uh, male centric, at least in Germany. Arguably, all over the world. Did you find any opportunities or obstacles as a result of being a an all female VCT?
0: I would say only opportunities in this case, because. Um, Look, at what I always, uh, I, I try to describe it this way. Those, These people um, see guys in a blue shirt the whole day and, <laughs> and every day. And um, then these three women come along and they're just happy to talk to you because I'm happy to discuss with you because it's just a different perspective that you bring in. And that's why I would say it was only an opportunity and that um, the have only encountered open doors. All the VCs really are helping us with um, uh, due diligence, for example, or if we need an opinion, we can always call up um, many people who are working in VCs and uh, who are really open to helping us. And I think there's also because the whole um, diversity issue is such a big issue that they uh, also like Discussing with us about it and our approach was always to say we invest in, in two areas. The first one is um, sustainable growth just uh, opposed to what a typical VC needs a typical VC would would need exponential growth and um, And we think that cash-efficient business models uh, also lead to the same returns um, and and on the other hand, we like investing in, we, we call it founders with a progressive DNA. So uh, those are people who are impact driven, who um, think diversity is important to use work 4.0 in their own companies and so on and so forth. And uh, what we noticed is that, why I'm saying it's an opportunity also, um, we started investing this way and then Corona hit and all the VCs um, noticed that, uh, the, this type of thinking, like the sustainability um, part of the whole investing is something that is um, uh, ca- can be attractive. And since then, it's actually pretty funny. We've been having so many conversations with people who ask us, so how, how does that work with the cash-efficient uh, business models? And how do you evaluate them? And how, how do you get to, get to know them? And so on and so forth. So it's, uh, I think it's really nice that we can give something back after having gotten so much out of this VC ecosystem.
1: Indeed. Are you guys focusing on any particular sectors in your investments?
0: Yes, we have several sectors, which are just um, like health tech, med tech, um, food, um, HR, we have um, f- um, fintech. Uh, there, there's different sectors we look at, I would say all of them have to have some kind of good for the world. So we, we try to invest into companies that have some kind of uh, yeah, positive outcome for the society or for the world.
1: Gotcha. You know, there's a lot of talk about, I think, I think a lot of people are recognizing the power of diversity, you know, diversity of, of gender, of ethnicity, of experience makes Stronger teams, um, and you know, in the topic of, of female entrepreneurs uh, in, in leadership, oftentimes you see some real competitive advantages when you have female leadership on a in in an organization. Would you say that you guys are finding that you in a in a competitive space where deal flow is arguably limited and and capital is uh, is more at least more readily available than in years past, would you say that you might have a competitive advantage because of the makeup of your organization?
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I would say so. I would say so. I think the competitive advantage, and um, it's sad to say, but it's uh, just because of the makeup of our team <laughs> yeah. that, um, we, yeah, we do have the competitive advantage at the moment. We get a lot of deal flow. Um, that's not been, we get a lot of PR, mm-hmm. Um, we just because the diversity is a, is a topic that is being addressed by everyone, by politicians, by VCs, by everyone, uh, people really want to have us uh, take a seat at the table in some kind of way. And uh, that is a competitive advantage. I think, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago, probably, or five years ago, I would never have been asked to join the board of the German Startup Association. But nowadays, uh, since diversity is such an important um part, the the makeup of of the board is is, uh, important, and it needs to have some kind of representation of how society looks like, and uh, it is a competitive advantage at the moment, definitely.
1: if you guys are identifying and experiencing that that advantage as investors in the space what do you think is is happening with entrepreneurship because I think female founders are still grossly underrepresented when it comes to raising capital. Um, I think you and I talked about uh, um, a, a report that came out recently that was showing how, you know, female founders are still such a small fraction of the ecosystem. What do you see as those kind of impediments? What, what is creating the, the data that makes it, you know, so underrepresented in the space in general? What are those obstacles?
0: Maybe I can go into into the study. So this year, the German Startup Association published the Female Founders Monitor for the third consecutive year in collaboration with Google. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, the findings findings were really saddening. So the share of female founders in Germany is only 15.7%. No big increase from last year, where it was at 15.1%. Um, If you compare this to the share of women founders of new businesses in general, so not startup only, uh, which is at 40%, you can see that there's a big lag, 40% and 15.7%, right? Um, So what we found is that there's So many reasons for this and um, there's so many parties involved in in this and um, Because this podcast your podcast is uh -hmm. is addressing The founders or the potential founders. I would like to not address what the politics can do better or what um, VCs can do better or so on but maybe we can focus on um that what what um What founders can do and um so I think that, the first of all, the gender bias and funding is something that founders have to know and have to address in some kind of way, and the second is the lack of networks that especially female founders have mm-hmm. and those are the two things where I would say um uh if you if you are trying to f- uh, found a company if you, if you I really want more women to uh, found companies, so please. First of all, uh, address the gender bias in funding, try to find the right um, uh, funding partners, or maybe uh, change your pitch the way that the funding p- partner that you want would, would uh, potentially uh, invest into. And the second one is actually uh, digging into those networks that are there and that I, I can say, because I have experience in this, that are happy to have you if you just um, take the step forward and, and, and take them.
1: I I want to, that's really great advice. I want to jump into both of those uh, those topics with you a little bit the the gender bias and funding and and the networking side of things. Let, let just to tackle the first one, this, this gender bias and funding. Um, you know, I I have some hypotheses on why that might exist. There's definitely some old narratives about you know. Uh, Women working and what if they get pregnant and yada yada. I still hear it to this day sometimes Um, But what do you see is at the root of that bias? Is it the same as the you know gender discrepancies in in culture or is it really rooted in uh, An expectation of a type of performance as an entrepreneur.
0: Well to me, there's two sides of this Um, number one is the structural side and the second is the cultural side um, from the, the cultural side, there are things that you just addressed, for example, well, the woman has a baby and, and so on. Uh, or if you have, there's not enough role models showing uh, female founders that are su- su- successful and that's the cultural side. So the cultural side is still like the uh, see still women as mothers and having to take care of their kids instead of working and not having like a combination of both and seeing both parents um um, taking the same amount of time at least um, um with with their babies. and we found out actually that female founders have around six hours per week less time for their um startup than male founders have. And a big part of this would probably we we I, I can't tell you what the what the root of the problem is, but probably also be because they are in charge of the. Of the caretaking of um, the children and then we come to the structural side which uh, also plays into this for example um, if the women are taking care of the children why don't we um, get a higher quality and more quantity of child care facilities to be able to allow these women to um, work the way that they want to work for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and a big structural part is the makeup of the VCs, and they are just, um, especially if you're looking at the management team, um, there there is not a lot of women there, and uh, we talked about the similarity bias already, and uh, the similarity of bias just applies to all of us, so um, if there's only men up there, then the, the logic consequence out of that is that if they don't have anything in place, for example, there's specific me- mechanisms that you can use to offset the similarity bias and to look beyond the fit, for example, um, getting an impartial devil's uh, advocate who has not seen the team, has not seen the name of the founders, has not seen the schools that the founders come from, or delete names and photos and uh, schools from pitch decks, or have unconscious bias trainings, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. So if they don't have that, um, then, then it's just normal that their similarity bias will lead them to invest into founders that are similar to them and topics that just appeal to them. Right. right, right. That's what I do as well. I'm, I, I'm not I'm not judging because I think that's just the way it is. You use your similarity bias and it's obvious that you do. So maybe the structural change needs to be done. And if you see, for example, the governmental funds, sorry, I have to, <laughs> the governmental funds in Germany, which are Coparion, HTGF and KMP uh, Capital, Um since uh 20 years there has been no women in the management board of these and um, just I'm, I'm addressing all these people like the limited the state as a limited partner you should really address the issue of diversity in your funds and uh, make sure that there's a diverse management board in the funds
1: I want to uh I want to ask you something about that same topic just from the perspective of the founder. Um, I had a great conversation a few episodes ago with Francisca Leonhardt um yeah, of, of Avenida. Yeah. And she told this story when she was general counsel for Rocket and she became pregnant. Um, she went to Oli Samor and offered to resign and literally said, Hey, you know, I'm pregnant. I'm I understand what that means. I'm willing to resign. And Ole said, are you crazy? We we need you. We absolutely not, you know, figure out your childcare and let's, let's get back to work. But she had this preconception that becoming a mom is, is going to be perceived as affecting her career. So she was even proactive in kind of taking herself down a notch. Is there is, is that something that is a concern, too, on the founder side, that they need to have a, a greater sense of confidence that um, maybe in this case, she thought there was going to be a bias towards it and and there wasn't. Of course, yeah. it worked out really well in the end. But in, in terms of the founders themselves, women, um, you know, is there some education that they need to be aware of, not just of the risks, but uh, the flip side as well?
0: I think they need just more of a role model showing them that this is possible. Mm. Because it's, um, as I said, it's probably just a cultural thing. Um, what Francisca did has cultural roots. That she thought she cannot go on doing this, um, and uh, big kudos to Olizamba um, that he actually told her to stay on and to get her childcare um, sorted out. And I see that I, th- I think the main issue is just showing role models, showing that this is possible. Um, me and my partners, all all of us have kids, and. Um, for example, we invest in companies that uh, also are, where the, the people also have kids, and it's it's doable. It's a lot of work, but it's doable, and it's um, it's so rewarding if you if you can manage to to get. The, family and uh, your your startup, which is also a kind of baby if you can get both uh, running well. So I, I I want to encourage people to do it because I, I can see from my own perspective that it's really rewarding and that I would have hated to stay home. I took uh, one year off for each kid and I in retrospect, I would have preferred to go back to work after, I don't know, four or five months. Um, I would have, if I could talk to myself, I would say, Go back to work and and get your child care sorted out. Um, it will make you so much happier. And if you're happier, then your whole family will be happier, too. So, that, um, yeah, we, I, I just think we need more role models. And there are, there are several out there. I mean, um, my co-founder is actually currently in the hospital having her fourth child. And, um, and she just managed, She Fabiola. You can look her up. She just manages this really well. She had three kids within three years, and in those three years, she did around fifteen angel investments by herself. Um, and it's doable. It's doable if you really want it. It's doable. But it's a, as I said, you you need a lot of childcare. And um, and but I want to encourage you to try it at least.
1: So I wanna tackle um, the other part of our discussion. We talked about the, the gender bias in funding. The other really interesting point you made was the lack of networks. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer and I've had this conversation more than a, a dozen times of, you know, it's it's not who you know, it's not what you know, but it's often who you know. Um, if, if women and, you know, other people may have a disadvantage when it comes to having those kind of strong networks to to build your your startups, your organizations around. How What do you see as some of the opportunities that uh, women should look out for to be able to expand their networks?
0: Yeah, well, I think first of all, you have to know networking is really important. So according to a study by I think LinkedIn and the Adler group, um, 85% of jobs are filled through networking. This is something really relevant to know. And um, then there was a study uh, by McKinsey and the Lean In uh, organization, uh, which found out that women actually network less than men. Um, And if you see networking is super important, but women network less, then um, you have to ask yourself, why do they network less? And um, in my experience, so many founders told me that they don't like networking, Uh, because they don't want to be in debt to someone um, and they don't want to ask for favors or contacts or information. And um, I think networking is not about what can you do for me? It's about, um, first of all, it's about your company. And uh, if that's the goal, how to get your company going, then maybe that should be a top priority for you. Uh, But it's about creating relationships and genuine connections. and It's about learning in general. And above all, it's helping your company grow. So, what what do I recommend? Like, what can you do? Um, maybe start with your inner circle of close female contacts. That's like the, the probably the easiest starting point. Then there's uh, ideas like you can start your own network. For example, I don't know of any network in Germany catering to female single founders. Um, so that, that that would be an idea. Why don't you? Set up. If you're a, a single founder um, and you're female, maybe you should uh, get in touch with other single female founders and uh, ask each other for help and use use that network. Um, and then also you could you should always ask for help or advice because in my experience men do that, just women don't. For example, I get emails every week from um, other VCs asking me, oh, for example. Um, I'm coming to Berlin and holding a workshop. Do you know um, of any office space, uh, conference room that we, we could use? Women never do that. It's always men doing that. I mean, just ask. It's about your company and you, wanna, you want it to thrive. And then also maybe use your board and your investors more than, than you do right now. Think strategically about whom to add to your company and to actually use them as your network. Um, like who has the right combination of skills, experiences, personality, and um, who can help you solve those strategic challenges that your company um, faces best. And um, founders don't think about uh, board attendees Um that because usually they always think it needs to be those that are defined by the shareholder agreement but that doesn't need to be necessarily true you can always have independent board seats and don't leave those vacant use Mm -hmm. those to network and also um, use your power of being different as i said before um, have fun uh, with with networking because you are different in this area it's only 15.7 percent uh, female founders, then you should use that and go out there and have fun. That's what I, yeah, that's what I would uh, recommend you to do.
1: (laughs) That is awesome advice. That is amazing. You know, I I love this idea of like leverage your difference, you know, like you said, it can be a, it can be an opportunity as well. Um, I just, I'm just curious for the, the young female founders out there, you know, we have a lot now coming out of much, much more than in the past. Um, that still are in the early stages of their careers, maybe their first venture, trying to build networks. Are there any recommendations that you have for existing organizations? You know, as someone, we talked offline a little bit about uh, acceleration and the value of mentorship. You know, mentorship can come from your investors, your board, you know, people more senior, but there's also great mentorship that comes from your own community and your peers. Do you have some suggestions of where, uh, young female entrepreneurs can, you know, help build their network. Some existing organizations in place.
0: Yeah, there, there's many actually. Um, I can recommend to follow specific people on LinkedIn. I always try to if I uh, if if I hear of something to post it on LinkedIn as well. And I, many of the people that are involved in this scene also do so. Uh, I'll just give you several examples, like uh, the Grace Accelerator, which caters solely to female founders. Um, and Google for female founders is also another network which is really good um, and they, they provide lots of mentorship um, and then the entrepreneur first is something if I were a, a, Someone who wants to f- found a company and who is just starting out um, I think I would use that network because they they leverage so many good people in there and bring them together and, and help them work on their ideas and uh, Get seed funded as fast as possible but there's many others out there I mean these are these are just some of the just a few of the examples um I would say it needs a little bit of research yesterday someone on LinkedIn posted a whole list of um, um, uh, contacts and networks uh, catering to female founders i asked them to provide this list to me and um if anyone listening to this podcast is interested in it i'm hoping to get it today or tomorrow i will probably i would uh, be happy to to share this with you too
1: wonderful wonderful i want to ask you kind of one more good content question um which is you know in your lifetime of experience as a as a a a person in business and now as an investor, you look back, if you have one piece of advice that you could impart on young aspiring entrepreneurs, um, what would that piece of wisdom be?
0: Resilience, be resilient in everything that you do. Don't get, like if you get your first no, it doesn't really matter. Try to get 100 no's before you actually um, um, change whatever you're working on. Try to get as much feedback as possible and be resilient. That's that's my main, actually, that's my main uh, learning. If you, as I said, I, I think one, two, three or uh, four no's uh, 10 years ago would have, to, would have offset me from a, an idea. But when we found it also, I got so many notes and people were telling me, oh, this is not going to work because the whole VC um, funding logic won't work with what you guys are doing. And uh, so far, I mean, we can't tell how if it's going to be successful or not right yet because uh, we're only two years old. But, um, but it, it's looking good. <laughs> so be resilient and try Absolutely. it out. <laughs> Don't let others... Uh, If 100 people tell you this is not a good idea, maybe you should think about it and maybe you should really consider what they're saying. But um, get those 100 no's before actually uh, not doing something.
1: (laughs) I love that. You know, I, I always laugh how there's a lot of times there's not an English translation for a German word. I don't know if there's a German translation for the English word grit, you know, and having entrepreneurial grit, this perseverance, resilience, and effort all all combined together, I think is such a defining characteristic of what makes a successful entrepreneur. So that's great wisdom. Um, a couple of quick rapid fire questions for you that I ask all people that are on the podcast, just to get a little bit of insight into the person rather than just the entrepreneur. But, um, I always, uh, learn a lot about someone by looking at what's on their bookshelf. So could you, maybe recommend a book on your bedside table, something you're reading or something that you think uh, would be great reading for the listeners here?
0: Well, I uh, try to read uh, as much as I can, uh, but having two children, I've always sleep really early. So uh, it takes me long to read books. And I've been reading since, I think, two weeks, uh, the same book, which uh, I can only recommend to people who uh, are strong at the moment because it's called The Choice. And the choice is a horrible story of um, uh, three sisters and actually a whole family. And uh, they went to Auschwitz and it's just horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Um, But it's, um, um, it's it's a biography of, uh, of the writer. I forgot her name. And I think it's, um, it's a great book to read just to, to know how blessed we are that we live in these times and um, that we are yeah, that we're even if Corona is taking place right now. Um, I, I'm really happy to be in Germany to have um, um, no war at, at the moment and, and so on. So that <laughs> that's that's what I would say.
1: <laughs> Amen to that. All right one one more one more question for you, which is, um, what's uh, cycling on your playlist these days? You got a recommendation? Oh.
0: most of the songs I play are children's songs because we're in lockdown. I'm in quarantine with my kids. So right now it's a lot of Simone Sommerland and Volker Rosin. (laughs) Um, But we also um, have a playlist, which we, uh, which we are listening to a lot right now. And it's the greatest hits of all times uh, with uh, people like Frank Sinatra and Louis Armstrong and, and so on. So I, I just like looking at the old or listening to the oldies right now.
1: <laughs> That's a great way to wrap up the day. Kids are asleep, glass of wine in hand and a little, a little uh, old blue eyes playing in the background. That sounds awesome. Gaisa, where can uh, listeners that want to learn more about the work that you do, where can they find you online?
0: But LinkedIn is the easiest way to connect, um, especially if you're a female founder wanting uh, uh, someone to invest into your company. Please reach out. <laughs> um, but we also have a website, which is auxo.de, a-u-x-x-o.de, and um, yeah, I mean, feel free to reach out. I'm, I'm really happy to um, at least invest. I don't know uh, one call. Um, to to help you, especially if you're a female founder.
1: And that is the power of networking. Exactly. Geza <laughs> <laughs> Michaika, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to to have this conversation. I really look forward to sharing it with our audience and uh, sharing some of those wise words of wisdom that you have provided. It was a thank you,
0: Gedid. This was so much fun. Thank you. Awesome.
1: Cheers. <laughs> Well folks, that was Gesa Mikczajka, partner at Berlin-based venture capital firm AUXO. To learn more about Gesa's work, go to AUXO.de, that's A-U-X-X-O.de, or connect with her on LinkedIn. Next up, we'll be introducing you to Robert Ermich, Vehau alum and founder of Dine Handy, On Truck, and an exciting new stealth healthcare startup. We'll be discussing Robert's journey from VEHAU to rocket internet to building multiple successful ventures. Until then, be sure to check out our website at mostawesomepodcast.com, follow our channel on YouTube, and subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast streaming service. Bis to Mal!